recently I've been just leaning into not planning anything. <laughs> wow. How does that work? Welcome to Pursuing Call, a place where we explore what God is up to in our lives so that we can participate in God's mission for the world. Find out more at pursuingcall.com. Let's get started. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Pursuing Call with me, your host, Tamara Plummer. Thank you for joining. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with people that you know. This week, we continue our conversation with the Reverend Winnie, who is rector at St. Luke's. And I'm going to let those sirens run because it reminds us that we're still in a pandemic. Um, With Reverend Winnie, in this episode, we dig a dip, a big, yeah. In this episode, we dig a bit deeper into the conversation of energy and how we preserve and protect our energy, how we make decisions, and who we are making those decisions for, and then the people that shaped us in how we make our decisions in life. So both as children of immigrants, we have a particular point of view that comes up in this conversation. I hope that it helps illuminate the complicated life of the child of immigrant. I still am waiting for the... uh, diagnosis child of immigrant syndrome which is overachieving and overfunctioning. so as we are at this season of doing a lot of things where people are overfunctioning, please be gentle and kind with yourself and as you might guess we will have a part three because yeah you'll see at the end all right what you should prepare yourself for as you are listening to this story is what is for you and what is not for you? It's a question that we can ponder together. Not for the world, not for everybody else, but what is for you and what is not for you? See you at the end of, well, part two of this conversation. And I don't think it's that different than kind of not giving up on plans, but allowing more space for the plan to be unraveled and discovered. Yeah. And yeah. Off, and often as you move into a new congregation, we had talked about y'all are doing strategic planning and thinking about like, what does it mean to re-enter the world in this way? And how do you develop your new normal and implement the new normal? Often it's like you discern, you make some decisions, you make a plan and you implement the plan. Yeah. Does that formula work right now? <laughs> or is you know what's, what's great about you asking that is we have, so I, I knew, so I came in August, so you can't do anything in August, right? Mm-hmm. In church. Um, and we were still in COVID and people, we didn't know people were coming back. They are, you know, they are, and we're still on our summer schedule. We haven't gone back to our regular services. Um, and normally if I were coming to a new church, I would say, okay, in September, we're going to have forums every Sunday we are we're gonna have those little sticky notes and those mm-hmm. flip charts and we are gonna do some really open-ended creative planning dreaming together and we will pull all that into a grid and you're gonna see that in December and we're gonna budget around that and you'll see next year and you'll see the next three years mm-hmm. and we got to generate that together and what literally number one we should not all be in a room together 
mm-hmm. you know, and part of that energy is that you're in the room together and you're talking, right? You should be in each other's faces. Um, we can't do that. Um, and part of it is, I think we're a little broken. Yeah. I don't know that we, I think we're going to say, if, if I asked that right now, people would say, well, we got to have all the Sunday school classes. Like they would say, how do we fix, how do we get back to where we were? Right. When there's no going back to that, you yeah. know? Um, and we're not far enough out, I think, I think, though I think we can probably start soon. I don't think we're far enough out to really creatively dream about what we're willing, you know, so I was, I was going to use that open source stuff, right, where um, the way they talk about that is if you sign up to do something or be in a group, it's because you're going to personally do it, mm-hmm. not because you think we should do it. Like, you can't write down anything anyone else should do right. or for right. anyone else, but what what do you want to lead, you know, what, what do you want to be a part of? Um, and I don't, I actually don't even think we could do that right now. Mm. So we've been doing a lot of exactly what you're describing, hold the space, pursue the things that, that seem interesting, um, not try very hard, not to overfill our schedules and calendars, except for me that I need to meet a lot of people <laughs> and leave this space. Like, like, and I think this is right. I'm, I'm tired in a different way. I'm noticing my physical limitations and my mental limitations in a different way. I actually think I have more limitations because of COVID that I've got to decide how to, what, what gets built back and what doesn't like what's a fitness issue and what's just the new reality. Mm-hmm. And what is when my body has said, you know, you, you actually did this all the time and it wasn't okay. Right. And now we're going to tell you right after that that was too much and you need a break or something, you know, whatever that is. Yeah. So I, I feel like what you're describing and not, not planning over and going back is the space, I think, if we're wise, we're trying to give ourselves because the over-functioning didn't get us anything that held through COVID, right? No. So the things I, that held are like all the things that go back to my high school lifetime. I, I, I say, I don't know when I lost it, but this, you were talking about the body knowing and discerning mm. and knowing in yourself. Like I think maybe because I was a kid and somebody else was dealing with the hard parts of life for me, like rent um, and food yeah. and stuff. But I just kind of went, like I kind of lived my life. I knew I had to be at a certain place at a certain time. I had a kind of schedule. I had to accomplish some things, but I wasn't trying to solve life's problems every day. Like I'm going to solve hunger today by doing X, Y, Z. And I, at some point I thought I had control over the world in some way. Mm. And it just became a destruct, like everything I thought life felt easy until about 25, 26. And then I was like, what am I doing? Is this what I should be called to do? Like all the big questions. Mm. And then I started to try to control what was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Then life blew up in my face. And now as I enter 40, which I think is apparently a thing that happens as people get older, I'm like, oh, I ain't got no control over any of this, Jamie. Like love maybe will come, maybe won't come. Kids not coming. That decision is made. Like, it's like, like there's certain things that I'm just like, I don't know. Do I live in New York? Do I not live in New York? Do I stay in my job? Do I not stay in my job? I don't know. I'm going to just keep walking and eventually something will happen. I think that is, there, there is something that happens in your forties. I, I wonder if it happens to men and women. I don't know if it's a gender thing, hmm. but um, because a lot of women attach that with like the stages towards menopause. Mm. that there's a like a I think they definitely like like what's happening to my eyes is usually that's linked to like that's that's your 40s that's your hormones and I was telling some I've been telling people this because it happened a couple of years ago and 
it was like a shock. I woke up one morning and realized this was true. Like I couldn't be bothered. Mm. You know, they're definitely like, you know, I can still get mad and I can still be defensive and, you know, I can have a fight. I can do that, mm -hmm. but you can't get under my skin. Like in, like in ways, like, and the people that get under your skin are always the people that don't matter, you know, not right. the people you love and that love you. It's just some jerk. Right. But I was surrounded by them, frankly, and they got under my skin and I had a therapist and I have a spiritual, like I do all this stuff, you know, and mm -hmm. I, I exercise and I eat, like I do every last thing still totally got under my skin, even though I would think it'd be worse if I wasn't doing, if I wasn't exercising, I'd be saying something right now, as opposed to letting the horrible person keep saying the horrible words. Right. And just leave that to Jesus. Um, but I, I literally, I got to the point where it actually doesn't bother me. Mm. Like I got nothing. Like yeah. it is not for me. It is literally not for me. Um, and that's, I, I, I suspect it's hormonal. I'd like to think it's like the wisdom of a lifetime, but I don't think so. I don't know. Something happened. Well, it's also just when your energy is being depleted for other things that do matter, like making your body function, <laughs> it, it, you have to at some point decide I don't actually have excess energy because I, I am noticing, and I think COVID did allow some space for me, for, for all of us really to sit around and be like, what do I actually have energy for? Yeah. And, yeah. I, and lean into what I have energy for because leaning into the stuff that's super hard is not actually yielding any good results. You know, a huge part of vocation, it's not, you know, like a lot of people say that the Parker Palmer line is, it's not about the world out there. It's what actually, it's literally what, what are you made for? Because mm -hmm. we can all do an analysis of what's wrong with the world and notice it depending on where we come from, whatever that is ultimately it doesn't matter. You know, I think the reason that Parker Palmer would say that is he comes from a life of enormous privilege. So he's saying like, do something that matters, right? Mm -hmm. Don't, you know, but I would, I would actually say that's, that's a false one as well. That's a should out there. Yeah. You got to go with the heart that you got, like the mm -hmm. one you've got and like, got, you know, that's not a mistake. And I think God can do amazing things. <laughs> with humanity. And so if I actually just lean into where my body feels good, my energy is excited and um, the, the dream design, dream people, uh, designing yeah. your life, people yeah. they call yeah. it like being in flow. Like if I can find my flow places, yeah, I actually have more capacity to engage the things that are a little bit harder. Yeah. Leveling up is not, is not where I am right now. <laughs> yeah. Just like well and you know and then part of that too is like of course we want to be as much ourselves as we can be right we want to be as rooted and discerning as in present as we can be um of course right um mm -hmm. but there's but part of that is this whole system is saying man you know like i said you know i had some of these friends that became buddhists that were raised anglicans that you know they what they were doing is figuring out how to manage all the frustration and anger in their professional lives is they, they found meditation, mm -hmm. you know, like their monkey brain wasn't because, you know, they were, it took, they were far from their own suffering. They were caught up. Their suffering was their ambition. Mm -hmm. Their ambition was their suffering and that they hadn't like they, if they weren't contesting those things to my mind, at least like you're just playing a game of can your body, how much can your body take? You know, and I feel like sometimes 
this, like the ways that we're given to be well in this world are literally about how much your body can bear as opposed to, you know, what is like, you know, what's calling out to you in this version of the life that, you know, that you've been given and that we have, you know, we have real responsibilities in it. Like most of us can't go off and do nothing, you know, like we, right. we have responsibilities. Right. I think that's fine. And that's part of our vocation um, and our discernment. Like that, that's a piece of it. But, but I, you know, I, I think, well, pre-COVID, right. And maybe in COVID for a lot of us, but pre-COVID it was almost like organizing all the pieces around us so to figure out how much suffering we could, we could handle <laughs> with the limit capacity was of far away from ourselves and suffering. And I feel like, you know, for a lot of us like that, that we're, we're not interested in that anymore. No, no. If I, I, it's not so much like how many hours did I work today? My question at the end of the day is like, what did I actually accomplish? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I actually accomplished many things in four hours of time. And that's about all my brain can actually engage. Like I figured out this really hard supply chain thing, or I figured out, you know, how to get this grant to this, this group of people that their grant application was a hot mess, you know, like whatever it is, like I did actually this really hard thing. And that is the capacity of my brain right now. If I do more things, they would get done. They just wouldn't be very good. So if somebody asked for a job where I work right now and asked for 36 hours, that's so interesting. And I asked why, and they're like, I'm 61 years old. I'm just going to tell you when I do that, my life is good. And I can, I can do more sometimes and less, I can balance that out, but that's my sweet spot. It's like, what a wise thing to know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I wish I could like, can you pay me 40 hours, but I will actually only work 36. <laughs> well, what I know is going to happen is that because everything is like that, right? There are times like the things that you're describing, there's just so much of it that you're going to, you're going to sprint. You're going to do a lot of it because mm-hmm. it's that time. And there are going to be times when you're, there's not, there's not going to be that same need. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you pull that back a lot, right? Yeah. There is like the sprint. And it's a thing that I've been thinking about is um this muscle. Uh, I was watching, when I was watching the Olympics, I realized my people are sprinters, Jamaicans. And uh, marathon running is not something that I was used to. Like I, you sprint and then you rest for a day. You sprint and then yeah. you rest for a day. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's okay. That's my current discernment question. Is that yeah. okay? I think a lot of people work like that. It's yeah. just what happens in, the, yeah. And we're, we're thinking about that in our office right now, but just because it's just a big place. And so we need to have a lot of systems in place and order and accountability, mutual accountability, or we just can't get things done, right? Because you can't do it by yourself, right? We just need, mm-hmm. so we need all that. It has to happen or the system can't work. Um, but it's a system that also loves a creative, energetic, charismatic person. Mm-hmm. And often those two things are not the same person. No. Those skills are not the same person. Yeah. No. I, the, my childhood church, there was like the very organized, very systems-based rector and the kind of charismatic, fun, run around with the kids in the, in the, you know, in the hallway priest. And it was like the perfect duo. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. like, to me, it was, it was my golden times of church time <laughs> to have both of those energies as leaders in the church. Um, I have two questions and then I promise to let you go th- to bed or whatever people who are old, like you do these days winning. 
it's so is it like seven o'clock or something it's almost it's eight o'clock yeah it's late well you know i'm I'm almost 50 you're right (laughs) i Um, I would say i'm I'm same with that number and it's messing with me i have to say mm. i have to i'm gonna have to get get the therapist back on the line for what that what that is but it's it's messing with me i have to Mm -hmm. to think about that yeah so like what the five is messing with you or the yeah the accomplishment at the age is messing with you that's such an immigrant question isn't it (laughs) like what is what am I like am I am I satisfied with my life yeah I don't I don't know that there's it's interesting right like I don't know that there's anything else I know how to do or want to do or kind of set myself up to do I love what I get to do but I am very much the child of immigrants there is no such thing as, accom- as accomplishing enough, even though, frankly, and you and I have this in common, I think, it's not like I'm actively pursuing something else that I'm not, I'm failing at, you know, I'm right. not doing it. Like, this is all I'm doing. But, but there's definitely a part of me that feels like I, I should, like somehow on Twitter, Twitter has figured me out enough that I regularly get advertisements for medical schools in the Caribbean. Like, I never say that out loud, I've never said it out loud, but I think about, I think about all the versions of life that an immigrant family thinks are possible for their child, they're all still in my brain. I'm 50. And you should and be a doctor, Winnie Regan. <laughs> according to Twitter, it could still happen for me. On uh, MD Winnie. <laughs> on Dominica, yeah, in a luxury medical school. Well, the thing is, though, uh, if you say Reverend Winnie, particularly in the Episcopal church and you were in, um, I can't remember the name of the book, but I was reading it before the, the New York times bestseller, the New York times bestselling. I was just reading it before I was yeah, talking Sarah to you. Messes. Yeah. Yeah. What is this? Uh, a rhythm of prayer. So that's it. A collection of meditation. Um, really amazing book that everybody should get. You're on the rock star list, right? Like you are considered rock star material uh people know Winnie you've run the you've run committees you've written you've like hang out you're facilitating things you are invited probably to be on things that you don't even want to be on all the time how do you manage and think about that like how do you figure out what to say no to Mm. when you are like the Winnie, the amazing preacher, the love oh, child of the Episcopal Church. Hilarious. Well, <laughs> my experience to the, the, for that very specific question about what to say yes and no to, and um, really honestly, when a friend asks me to do something, almost always I'll say yes if it's a friend. Mm-hmm. And if I say no, it's just because I can't make it fit, you know. Mm-hmm. And if even if I don't know the person, uh, really truthfully, if I don't know. I don't have any personal connection or um, I'll almost always say no um, because I'm not trying to generate a profile in the larger church. Like I'm not, I don't have an agenda out there. I'm a parish priest. And there are people like, like the people in that, so many people in that program, like they kind of make their living and their voice and their vocation is about um, their public profile. Yeah. And thank God for them. I think they're brave and they say things people like we can't say, and they have, you know, and they write in a, with a freedom and a creativity that's also about like, re- besides all their talent is real time. Like they're not doing a, a job like I am, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for them. And I'm very aware that I'm not, that's not what I'm doing. I've always 
I, I work in the church and I'm a fairly administrative person in the church. And I like that. Like when you said I do committees, you're right. I do committees. Like that's what I do. Like I do like that grind work of the church and I'm down with it. Like I, I think it matters. I want to build, I want to be a part of making this institution what it should be and really accessible. Um, and I feel like that's a, it's my responsibility. Like if you're invited to certain tables, it's not like someone else is going to come if you don't go, you know? So I feel a lot of responsibility around um, like, like people did it so that there is room for our generation, right? I want to, I want to yeah. do that. Um, but when I do public things and I don't do very many, um, when I agree to do that, it's, you can always know that someone who I consider a friend um, asked me to be a part of something. And so I, that's how I would, that's how I choose. Cause, cause I think there's a different way to do it. If you're, um, if this is really, you know, if you're kind of making your name out there, you want to think about, I mean, for lack of a better way to say that kind of your brand, like what's, yeah. you know, who yeah. are you and what are you, what do you want to be out there known for? And what do you want to be asked to participate in conversations about? And then you want to just really lean into that space. But um, why I might look I'm a little, like I'm a little bit all over the place is I literally say yes, because I consider that person a friend. Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful that you took me up on being my auntie. Uh, oh, like eight years ago, I think. Yeah, it was St. Mark's. No, it was, well, I came to St. Mark's to play. I met okay. you and I said, will you eat with me up at Columbia? And then you did. And then by the end of the conversation, I said, will you be my auntie? And you said, yes. And then you gave me very harsh advice. <laughs> what auntie yes. But only if I can tell you the truth of my feelings at this moment. <laughs> what else would an auntie do, right? Yes. <laughs> I give you free jewelry and sweets and buy you food, but also tell you the truth. Yeah, that's what aunties are supposed to do. This is why I have embraced that instead of motherhood is aunties are here to tell you the truth and all the things your parents won't tell you. And so it, I think it's, it's a great vocational call for me right now. No respect, because the thing that aunties get to do, at least in my community, that your parents can't do is your parents can't often look at you honestly because it's too painful. Like they can see the pitfalls and whatever. A parent has to deal with that. Aunties um, like size you up for real. They're really looking at you for who you really are. In, in our community, that's what your aunts and uncles do. And um, so, yeah, that's a, I mean, as well as they can tell, right? Right, right. Sometimes they're, they're misguided, but um, they're not often wrong even though you're like, well, you could have just told me like more gently that I was fat instead of just being like, why are you so fat? So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm concerned go. for your health and well-being. How's it going? How can I support you? That would have been- but That's not what they're thinking, at least not in my community. They're just noticing, they're saying words, letting them land where they land, moving on to the next thing. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I do walk into, into those spaces, those kind of immigrants, auntie spaces, and I'm like, I know I'm fat. We're not gonna talk about it. What else is going on? No, I still have no man and I'm not bringing any kids at home. Do we have anything else on the list? Mine is always, they always say, and they say it in Malayalam, like it's a secret, is that I look tired. Mm. And I want to come back with, and I feel tired. Good to see you too. <laughs> Hard to get to your house. I don't live in this state, but, but that's what they, wherever I live, in the, they always say that I look tired. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for noticing how hard I've been working to fulfill your high expectations of me. 
you just apply to medical school so you'll stop saying that yeah um i do have one question then i have my final question i guess because i want you to give you time is who are the aunties or the whatever <laughs> other relative you want to give that you think raised you and can you tell a story about that who are the people that got you to discern and face your truths and live into your you know what's interesting is the ones that I think of in that way um, are horrified by my truths and my choices in many ways, but also uh, intrigued. Mm. You know, but um, I don't have auntie, like I don't have relatives that were like the safe people to tell hard things to. Right. You know, but also I didn't have a tough. I didn't have a tough growing up, to be honest. Like I, you know, so I had, you know, just regular kind of and very little bits of family around because most of my family was in India or abroad in other places. So we had uh, my mom's sis younger sister was in Dallas and came when I was in middle school, and my dad's younger brother had always been there, and so it's my dad's brother and his wife. Like so, I kind of barely, I still barely know them. Um, I don't know why they were always around. I think my that. So I don't, I don't know them well, you know, not in a, you know, nothing bad about that. Mm -hmm. But um, but my mom's younger sister, when I was a kid, when I was uh, less than, less than a year old, I was, my dad took me to India. We were in Dallas at the time to live there for a while um, for some medical treatments. And also because they weren't sure if they'd be staying in Dallas or going back and how that was all going to mm -hmm. land. So they took me there for this for medical care. And I ended up staying with my mother's family. And apparently I was pretty chill on the plane. I didn't know what was going on. Um, and then we get there and my mother's little sister was there or one younger sister. And I thought it was my mom. So mm -hmm. clearly didn't have good eyesight even then. Um, they don't look like each other at all, not even a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and so I literally apparently just put out my hands and called her, my mother's name is Leela. And I called her Lala because I couldn't quite get Leela out because mm -hmm. um, I wasn't one and I called her a Lala and I was good like as far as I was concerned my mom was there I cannot imagine how painful that must have been for my mom later right. when she came to get me but um so I thought it was my mom who had been missing for a couple of days because my dad and I had come across <laughs> on this plane and then my dad left mm. um and so I literally so, so my aunt at that time was in college she was doing like in university living at home um and this baby had shown up and my other, my mom's other older sister had also dropped her baby off, Asha, who was a little bit older than me because she was living in Kuwait and couldn't take her, couldn't care for her properly. So there I was with a cousin, all a sister because our first cousins are called our sisters. I bet there's a similar thing in, in the Caribbean. So here I am with my sister, Asha. I have a big sister all of a sudden, a playmate and my Lala. And I literally like would, like I wouldn't let go of her. I think because my dad left. Um, so my, she was, you know, I used to like ruin her textbooks, which apparently one of the reasons I had been sent out of Dallas is I was ruining my mother's textbooks. So I was like, like we just went right back, just different person's textbooks, like drawing in her books and holding on to her, and literally like sleeping in her bed, like would not let her go. Um, and I still feel that close to her mm -hmm. as someone who has absolutely struggled with every one of my choices and would tell me to make different ones. Um, she feels like my heart to me. Mm -hmm. It feels like part of why you're able to want to stay in relationship, even if you don't agree with the person. I can, if she told me that she wouldn't be in a relationship with me, I would accept that. I think she can't bring herself to say that. Mm -hmm. And her, and you know, she's got do adult daughters, like her daughter 
her daughters would not have that. I love her, you know, and I love her daughters. They're my cousins, but they're a lot younger than me. And I feel very protective. They don't need me for anything. You know, they're fine, they're fine in the world. And I feel extremely protective of them and love their children and their spouses and all that. But I have to say, I do have this really intense connection to, to her that has nothing to do with um, the day-to-day of, very immigrant, right? The day-to-day of living. Mm-hmm. It's just a like heart connection. And I feel the same way about my grandmother and this kind of generation of, of those women that um, for whom my life is just chaos and un- undescribable. And yet those are strong women, every one of them. And I am not as outspoken or strong-willed as any of them. Mm. Like they would all say, I'm a little bit too, left, too much like my dad and a little too conciliatory. They're not, they're fierce. Um, I'm not fierce like that. Um, but yeah, but they're def- those are my people. Mm. I love that. I love that uh, you don't think that you're fierce. I just think you speak. Not like them. I think you are fierce. You just speak quietly. You just do it calmly instead of like animated, like a good, you know, aggressive woman would or something. (laughs) Um, That's all I have. Those are my questions. I have many more questions, but they're about church nerdy things. And I won't take up the rest of your evening having church nerdy conversations. But... (laughs) So I really swear to y'all, I tried to end the conversation there because we had been on Zoom and the phones for about an hour and a half at that point. But then when he asked me the magical question, that always leads to more conversation, which is, hey, Tamara, is your podcast really about discernment? And then we start talking about discernment. So for all the church nerds in the house, just wait till next episode. We will dig into church land and go all church nerdy on y'all again. But for the reflection of this episode, for the paying attention of this episode, where have you been over-functioning? Where have you been under-functioning? And what's like the, the just right? What's your 36 hours in a week? What's your, your uh, boundary so that you can stay as balanced as possible. So what's your boundary so that you can stay as balanced as possible? I think I love this concept of how to, us, our ambition being our suffering. And so what can you be less ambitious about? Might be a fun, fun thing to explore. See y'all in part three. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Pursuing Call. I can't wait to hear about how you are exploring God's voice so that you can participate in God's mission and dream for our world. Send your email and comments to Tamara at PursuingCall.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A at P-U-R-S-U-I-N-G-C-A-L-L dot com. You can also visit PursuingCall.com to learn more about what I'm exploring and envisioning and thinking about. Thank you so much and have a wonderful and beautiful day. Go in peace to love and serve.